I'm making more money doing Airbnb, working just 10 hours a month, than I'm making in my full-time job as a manager, working 60 hours a week. That's insane. So it was a no-brainer. Welcome to Live, Let, Thrive, a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Live, Let, Thrive. (laughs) He does something different every time, so it's, it's just, you know. So hey, um, yeah, you're like guests are like, who are you talking? Who are you talking to? Well, we have a guest. We have oh, okay, the hope that yeah, yeah, we have a, a guest for the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we always awkwardly start this show. Anyways, this is episode thirty-one. How you doing, is Micah? Thirty-one? Yeah, we're thirty-one. Okay. Thirty-one, yes, sir. All right. Um, I'm good. How about yourself? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Let's just cut to the chase. We have a special guest, and her name is Sue Oyuela. Oyuela, right? Let's welcome mm-hmm. Sue. Welcome Sue. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Girl named Sue. Cool, cool. Thanks so, for having me. That's is that a, a, Span- a Spanish last name? Yes, it is. Cool. My right. my, I came from a German background. I had a very easy last name, uh-huh. and then I um, married my husband from. Um, he's actually from East LA. <laughs> the roots orale. go back to Spain. Orale. So now I, I get to learn how to say words like orale. Yeah, but I'm just a regular girl from Newport Beach. Yeah, See. how we wound up together, that's a whole nother story. So you're his weta. His, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Did I lose you? I used, I used to travel out to LA, a lot of friends out there. And um, yeah, we would go to East LA. I have some, some fun East LA stories. So, oh, But cool. I, I blended in all right. You know, I'm, I'm Mexican descent, so. So, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> so it was fun. I, I love LA. Yeah. So Sue, I think that's uh, a song. huh? That should be a song or something. I love LA. I was singing that song the other day. That's, it is a song, oh, yeah. I think. <laughs> oh, there's plenty of songs about LA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, Sue, yeah, tell us, uh, tell us our listeners a little about a bit about yourself. Wow, where do I begin? Um, I guess I would describe myself as a serial entrepreneur who's been trying to find a way to financial freedom for most of my life. And back in 2011, I discovered Airbnb. And it was one of those, you know, it changed my life moments. It basically allowed me to quit my full-time job after nine months. And then I started growing my business, brought my my husband home after another year. And now we're just living this amazing lifestyle, um, you know, with the time freedom and money freedom that we've always dreamed of, um, thanks to Airbnb. And um, we started here in L.A., and um, yeah, I was just telling Stephen before the, the show, um, it's amazing when you're working in a city and you're just going to work and paying the bills, you don't see it, you know, in, in like, you'd wonder why do people come to L.A. and you just don't see it when you're working and paying bills and stuff. But since we've been hosting uh, guests through Airbnb, we've seen it through their eyes. And we've come to just totally fall in love with our city. It's amazing. So when we have time to go on vacations, we just do staycations and explore. <laughs> it's so huge. We're like, wow, it's, you know, two hours to get from one side of the county to the other. There's a lot to do here. Oh, yeah. Tons, <laughs> tons. So, how many, uh, so you said you've been doing it since 2011. So in that time frame, uh, so how many Airbnbs do you run right now? 
I've got about 10 properties right now and just added another one. So Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and you said you retired in how many months? I was able to quit my full-time job as a manager after six months, actually. Wow. But we weren't sure that the money was going to be steady and reliable, so we held off for three months. And we hid my paychecks, you know, and pretended we didn't have that income. That's a good idea. Then, Great tip right yeah, there. I'm not big on risk, you know, but <laughs> it was amazing. And so after the ninth month, I just said, you know, money's even better. I'm making more money doing Airbnb, working just 10 hours a month than I'm making in my full-time job as a manager, working 60 hours a week. That's insane. So it was a no-brainer. That's said, awesome. Well, if I quit and I've got, I'm only working 10 hours a month, what can I do with the rest of my time? So that's where I started looking into other ways to use Airbnb and really grow the business and, and work it into like different business models that I discovered along the way. Okay. So do you only uh, invest in, in real estate in L.A. or do you go branch out or just stick um, to L.A.? Well, that's, oh, that's an interesting question because um, I don't actually invest in real estate, I use leverage to control properties so that I'm making money on assets that I don't even own. Um, oh. And so that's a whole nother conversation. But um, I've tried to keep my own uh, personal properties within like an hour drive radius. Mm -hmm. So I have a couple out as far as Coachella, Anaheim. Um, but mostly they're all along like the 605 corridor because we're on the east side of L.A. County. Um, but with different business models, I'm able to leverage and manage properties much farther away. So we're talking to some folks that have 47 rental properties in Pennsylvania right now and trying wow. to get that set up. Okay. So, wow, that's actually interesting. So you, it sounds like you sublease, correct? No, I don't. Oh, you, oh so how do you that's leverage? That's too risky for me. <laughs> Yeah. In the beginning, we did, um, you know, I rented a house, five-bedroom, three-bath, and we sublet it, and it was great. I mean, it was generating, like, a net of $2,000 a month. Oh. But um, I realized that that wasn't scalable. Like I said, you know, I'm not a big fan of risk, so I thought, well, if I have, like, four or five of these properties and I have to pay the mortgage, every, I mean, sorry, the rent every month, and all of a sudden, you know, things can change, rules can change. I don't want to be stuck having to pay all these different leases and not being able to have income coming in. So mm -hmm. that wasn't good for my risk tolerance at that point. <laughs> so um, I, I found different ways to leverage properties with no risk. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> oh, Okay, so yeah, because I was wondering how you leverage, because you said you don't really invest too far outside of, I think, how, however many hours you said. So what what do you use for, like, because your 10 properties, those are yours, right? You own them? No, no, I control them. So oh. I keep the, the revenue that comes in from them, but I own nothing. That's wow. a beautiful thing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I heard on another podcast. I listen to tons of podcasts, and one and one of them, and one guy said, "Rich people don't own property, or they don't own property, something like that. Oh, they don't own properties. Right. They don't own assets. They control assets." And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, "That's pretty cool, you know." So yeah, I don't get hit own with nothing, those... control everything. <laughs> <Wow>. Exactly. <laughs> so that's so you um you live in in Rosemead, is that correct? I'm in Pico Rivera. So yeah, right 
next door practically to Rosemead in that same general area. Okay. Do you rent out out of your own house at all? Yeah, we do. That's how it all started, and we love it. Um, It's just been amazing for us. The people we meet, we say they leave footprints on our hearts. I mean, our lives have been so changed in so many amazing ways from the people we've met as our guests, and it's been an incredible journey. Just, I don't know if you've had that same experience, Micah. I understand you rent rooms too. Um, yeah, I rent out of my my um, I house hack my house. Um, yeah, and that's one good thing about it. You do get to meet a lot of people, um, very interesting people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been doing that for a few months now, and I actually love it. Right now, I'm actually looking for some corporate nurses to put in there for three three months or so. Um, uh-huh. So what what do you do? Do you just only Airbnb them or you look for sometimes few month tenants or how do you go about it? Um, we've, we only do Airbnb. In the beginning, I tried doing a lot of different other booking engines, but they were all kind of disastrous. So I just came back to, you know, Airbnb is the one that works and hmm. drives traffic and pays the bills and they're amazing in so many ways. Like, Airbnb, how do I love you? Let me count the waves. You know, it's so cool. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we've, we've kept it to, uh, we want guests who stay for shorter periods of time is where we found our comfort zone. So we've maxed out it like the longest someone can stay is 21 nights. That's about when we start to say, you know, I think we're ready to meet some new people. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like house guests, right? You know, after three days, they're like like fish or something. What's the saying? I'm bad with I'm bad with remembering stuff, but they both start to smell after three days. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so you've tried VRBO then, right? Right, that was one of the ones I tried early on. And what did you not Disaster. like about that? Oh my goodness! Um, well, they charged me up front for the whole year, whether they gave me a guest or not. Right. Um, I think they've changed that a little bit now. Yeah. But um, then I was going to accept a booking, and they kind of said, okay, great, you have a booking, but now you've got to chase the money. <laughs> and I really don't like having a merchant account or processing credit cards or chasing that. It just feels really, I don't know, I don't like to deal with that. Airbnb handles all that for me. That's why I love them so much. Right. Um, and then I started managing properties for other owners of properties. And when I would do that on Airbnb, it was like create a listing, off to the races, you're making money 24 hours later. VRBO said, oh, no, if you don't own the property, we want to see, like, the property management agreement. We want it notarized. We wanted, you know, all this information and documentation, and we're going to approve you or not. And it was such a headache paperwork-wise that I just gave up with them. It wasn't very user-friendly. And, and so what year was that where you were using them? Yeah, it's been a while. Um, it was probably around 2012 to 2013. Okay. Because um, yeah. Micah told me it would be a good idea to get into VRBO. You know, I started with Airbnb. I started in October. He's been doing it for a while. And um, oh, okay. so, yeah, so right off the bat, um, uh, you know, Airbnb is smooth, seamless. I'm on there. I'm, you know, I'm putting my stuff on there, pictures, and I'm, you know, having fun with it. It's, it's easy. And then mm-hmm. so like uh like uh, he tells me, dude, you got to put it on VRBO too. You know, I started getting hits right away on, on Airbnb. I'm like, oh, I don't think I need to. It's looking pretty good so far. Every day's getting booked. <laughs> and so he's like, yeah, but you know, you got to put it on there. And so anyway, he said he told me because they charge more. See how they're doing it now. When when I jumped in like October, 
he uh, it um it's it's pretty much trying to mimic Airbnb now, and so um it was like Airbnb with like a, a crappy website, and so I tried, <laughs> <laughs> for example, I was trying to upload all these pictures and it wasn't letting me, and it kept getting errors and and finally and and finally you know I read what the errors said you know at first and. and and it said something about I had to put my my pictures at a certain pixel level or something like that. I had to resize. Mm-hmm. I had to go in there and resize and run it through the Windows picture thing and every single picture. It, it was frustrating. I told him, "Dude, I'm not going to do this stupid VRBO." Anyways, and I, I've never got a booking on there until like uh, today. I got my first booking on there since October. <laughs> wow. So um, I guess uh, Mike is the expert at it because he uses a uh, VRBO a lot. And his philosophy mm-hmm. is just charge a buttload more for VRBO, and then it'll all even out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I try to put my place everywhere. Like, I found a new place to put my uh, rooms today called, uh, what's it called? Uh, furnished Finder. Uh, good uh, old guest Al Williamson of ours actually told me about it. He told hmm. me to get a lot of traveling nurses. So, yeah, I try to put, I put it in my place as many places, as, as many places as possible. Uh, more eyes on it. Um, but yeah, VRBO. Um, I know a lot of people that that ran a lot of people off that whole charge them up front. So I'm happy they kind of changed it to they just take a higher fee out and they charge through that. Mm-hmm. Do you? Um, you're in LA, a beautiful uh, or close to LA. Um, do you yeah. have? Do you, you ever thought of hosting the experiences? Um. I have actually. Um, back before they brought that feature on board, I was actually offering to my guests what I called my magic carpet rides, where I would do a custom tour of LA and we'd, you know, brainstorm what they wanted to do, what was interesting to them, and I would create a route and it would be an all day excursion and stuff with my guests. Um, so I didn't know if I wanted to go all the way with that, though, to make that my full-time job, kind of, you know, through the experiences. Yeah. I kind of liked having it just be exclusive for my guests. Um, but So what was the route you took them on? The route I took around L.A.? Yeah. Um, I took a loop starting on the east side, so we would go um, to downtown, then we would go to... The Griffith Park Observatory, hike to the Hollywood sign, come nice. back, go down to the Walk of Fame, see the Grauman's Chinese Theater with the hand and footprints in the courtyard, go over to Santa Monica, Venice, and have dinner, and then head back after traffic. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. How much would you, would you charge them for that? Or yeah, It would be $120 for the whole day. Wow. That's not bad. bad. Yeah, it was kind of because they were my guests, so it was... Like a family discount, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, timeshare. You make money off your timeshare. Um, how how do you do this? How do you make money off your timeshare? Well, um, I found that if you're a deeded owner, I use uh, Wyndham, and they give you preferential treatment when it comes to when you want a book and you're a deeded owner. They they tend to say yes a lot more <laughs> you're an owner when you want a book um so i've i've gotten it where i own actually three <laughs> memberships at the the same resort now and okay. it's right across from the convention center so we um we 
book as many of the units as we can when the big events come to the convention center and max it out at like four or five hundred dollars a night wow and yeah it pays for the dues real quick and then some so it's been very lucrative and we just kind of keep trying to expand that timeshare piece um one of the things though that i found was that it was hard to book the dates for beyond that sometimes they're they have a lot of rules <laughs> so I don't know. I, I remember um, because I listened to your episode one, you guys were talking a lot about it. Michael was talking about how you use the world mark. Are you still doing that? Uh, yeah, I kind of sell out different um, different times of the year. Like I use bonus time and inventory time. And I, I pre- well, I pretty much and I use the bonus time. So I pretty much rent out the time you chairs year round all the time. Um, uh-huh. I just always have them open except for the days that are gone. But other than that, any time they're open within a week to three months, I have it, I have it open. And it's actually, it's actually really helped us a lot in trying to reach that financial freedom goal. Actually, once I found out how it works and, like, really dove into it, it's really, really, really lucrative and really pays for it. Like you said, those dues easily pay for themselves, and you get a, little, a lot of cash flow out of it. Right. Yeah, I call it a gold mine. It's so funny because when people think about a timeshare, they're usually complaining about the dues and they're not even using it and it's just a waste. And you come along and you show them, oh, did you know you have this amazing investment, this asset? <laughs> and like, no, what is it? Your timeshare. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, and people came up to me like, should I go buy a timeshare? And I, I tell people, I don't, I don't think that's a good investment to just go and buy because it's going to take a while to pay itself off. Luckily, I kind of inherited mine, so it was already paid off, so all I'm paying is dues, you know? So, oh, but, dude, you know what? What was that? Um, just wanted to kind of give you a different perspective on that. Okay. So, like, on the timeshares, you know, if you sit through one of those presentations and they, you know, <laughs> hold your feet to the coals until you buy, and they charge you, like, $80,000 and whatnot, mm-hmm. there's other ways to buy the timeshares on the secondary market, and... You can, basically what my strategy is, or was with uh, Worldmark, mm-hmm. with the credits, is you want to buy the, the smallest amount of controlling credits that it, they require in order for you to be considered an owner, which I believe is five or 6,000 credits. And then mm-hmm. that means your dues are very low every year. But once you've got that controlling interest, now you have access to all that other inventory, the ones that you've been using to rent out and make that continuous cash flow. So people don't have to spend an arm and a leg to get in. And if you buy on the secondary market, you're paying like pennies on the dollar, like seven cents a credit, 10 cents a credit. In fact, I bought a timeshare for a dollar because I was sitting in the jacuzzi at my timeshare talking to this guy who was, you know, we've been using this forever and our family's had a lot of fun with it, but we're done with it and we don't really want it anymore. And I'm like, oh, well, you know. I'll buy it off you. And he's like, really? I mean, he's like, I, I just want to get rid of it. I'll just give it to you. And I said, okay. And so we did the <laughs> the processing, and they wouldn't let me do it for free. They said, no, there has to be some kind of, you know, transaction. I'm like, okay, $1? Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> so there's That's ways cool. you can get them for very cheap. <laughs> so um, how much would do, like, you bought it for a dollar, but then he, he's pretty much just, he thought it was as a burden, right? So he's paying these dues for something he don't use. 
And so how mm-hmm. much are how much are dues on on a timeshare? It varies. Yeah, like the the Worldmark one, it comes out to about $400 a year. Um I mean, if you want to get, you know, like I guess the other ones I have are more like 900 to 1100 dollars a year but one of the tricks that i found was that they'll even sell you a timeshare that's you have access to it every other year so if you buy one of those now the dues are like half wow but you still have as much access as you would if you had a regular one Does that so, make sense? so my question are you using your points when you're doing it um like the credits yeah I go through those pretty quick, and then I use the bonus time and whatever other fax time and stuff they, they oh, offer you when you go to check out. We're going to have to talk off air. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how to and, not use your credits at all. I'll tell her right here. <laughs> I think our fans would like to know. She, uh, cause, no, because she was talking about something else I wanted to talk off air about. We, you did with the timeshare thing. Well, pretty much, you don't have to use your credits at all. If you just use – if you only stretch them out, well – well, my question would be, how many timeshares do you own? Do you, do you own multiple timeshares? I only own the, like, 5,000 credits through Worldmark, and then I have a Wyndham timeshare. So you own two timeshares? Right. Okay, so I guess your, your strategy would work if you're buying them. I may have to do that, just buy a bunch of them and then stretch them out over the whole deal. Because what I do is I, I don't ever touch my credits, so my credits mm-hmm. just stay the same, and all I do is just sell inventory specials throughout the whole year in bonus time so whenever i want to go on vacation i just vacation for free i just use my credits whenever i want to go on vacation and then Uh and then the whole time throughout the year i use my chase rewards card i I use it to purchase all the inventory specials and what that does is it it racks up your credit card with all these points so like and then that actually pays for the dues every month because i it brings me like $200 $200 worth of extra income. And then what you do is I use that card again to go traveling with, and then it'll just pay itself off with the points. So I kind of got, I just use my credit card to kind of make revolving money through with it throughout the timeshare. That's awesome. Travel hacking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a travel hack. <laughs> I wanted to ask you when you, um, I have never seen those inventory specials. Do they have fixed dates already? Um. Yeah. What you have to do, you have to go find out which uh, resorts have them. Um. It'll probably be like forty resorts that have them, and then what you do is just. And then after you get the forty resorts, of course they have different style of rooms. So forty resorts, five different styles of rooms. That's one hundred and twenty listings right there. Just yeah. For three month for a three month span, and I'm still I haven't listed all of mine. I just I just got through listing the Mexico ones and. Right now I'm working on Australia because I heard they have a really big market out there for travelers. Wow. That's amazing. So So then when you open up the calendar, it's just for the days that you have, you've already purchased from that inventory special, right? Oh, no, no, no. I purchased them when, like, let's say a guest, like, that's actually what I was doing here. I was kind of quiet. When, let's say a guest sends through a reservation request, I just log in. See if those dates are available because I only open up the bonus time and inventory special. If those dates are available, then I accept it and they can go. So I guess that's where I ran into trouble because every time I would check the inventory, it wouldn't be available. And I wound up declining too many guests and then they threatened to shut my my account down. 
you can't decline too much. And I was having problems with the inventory not being available. Uh, you don't run into that? Here's the way around also about your, your like your listing getting put down. Here's a way around mm-hmm. that. Um, Airbnb really looks at, when I talked to this guy, because I, I talked to a guy, I think it was like when I first started doing it, because I told him I'm going to be declining a lot of people because I don't have just 100% control over the condo. So once I talked mm-hmm. to him, he goes, oh, well, it won't really matter if you have, he goes, because you have so many listings that you list them and you're, accept, you're still accepting them. He goes, if you still have like a high acceptance rate, it really won't matter. So what I purposely try to do is I list places with a whole bunch of availability so I don't have to decline as many people. So I'm, at the end of the day, I'm accepting more people than I'm declining. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so it kind of balances itself out. So uh-huh. with your timeshares, how many listings total do you have on Airbnb? Uh, it's kind of a rolling number depending on – because the cool thing is, is like, like I was saying, you know, we own three ownerships at the same resort. Uh-huh. So I put one listing up, and then when it gets booked, that week is blocked, and I know it's a big event that week, so I'll open up another listing for that same week until I book them all. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so I have like book, you know, listings on standby that I'll open up as the inventory gets filled for that particular week. Does that make sense? Yeah. Why don't you just open them all up? Get more views and requests. See what I'm saying? I guess I'm trying for scarcity. I don't know. Yeah, because I, what I did, <laughs> I, I used to do that, and then I was just kind of sitting there, and I'm sitting here like, why am I making this listing? I can just. Make a bunch of lists and just open up all the dates, and it kind of helped. It helped a lot. Oh. I mean, the only thing that now the only thing is like I have like probably fifteen of them in Marble Falls. Like I probably have like four two bedroom units. Now my reviews. The only thing is your reviews don't sit there and stack up on one listing. They kind of spread around. But mm-hmm. also. When guests look at Marble Falls, they're more than likely to going to come to your listing because, hey, you have, like, three or four properties. Like, I have people sometimes tell me, like, hey, do you own this whole place? What other rooms do you have? Which I don't own the whole place, but I tell them, yeah, I do have other rooms. And kind of drives more business to me as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, with your timeshare, you, if you have a world mark, you could definitely, yeah, you could post. Like, I've seen, I've seen one lady. She has, like, 450 listings, and she's still Man. going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I was always wondering, how does she do that without, you know, having to decline too many people? Because I was just like, oh, yeah. now I know, so I'm going to try that strategy. Thank you. Yeah, so <laughs> as soon as you accept a get, and also that new feature on Airbnb makes it even easier, that duplicate listing feature. So as soon as I, like, let's say someone books four days, I, ta- I give them those days, and I realize there's still more condos available, I just duplicate the listing and put it right back up. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. So you, um, sorry, I, I I don't know anything about timeshares, so I just was letting y'all talk a little bit. Um, so you so you run other people's listings, other people's Airbnbs, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so did this. When did you come up with that idea? I mean, you you started doing your own Airbnb, and, and it was successful, and and all that, and you decided. And did you just start telling friends and family about it? And were they saying, "I could never do that"? You know, what if an axe murderer, you know, rents out your place? Kind of thing. I hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so, did you end up um, starting off running friends and families Airbnbs, or convincing them, or showing them how to do it? 
Uh, yeah, it was, the first one was kind of an accident. Um, we had just leased our first property and then we're subletting it and we did like an open house so our family came over and checked it out and um, one of our family members had a rental property in Rosemead and he had had great tenants in there for years and years and years and then they had just stopped paying him all of a sudden and when he went to go um, ask him if they'd pay they kind of told him no make us so he went through the eviction process <laughs> make us <laughs> mm-hmm and then after that, they kind of had an attitude when the sheriff escorted them out because they felt entitled to be able to keep living there without paying rent. Jeez. So they trashed the place when they left. So he was at that point looking at this, you know, destroyed house that he was going to have to invest all this money to repair it. And it was like PTSD, like, do I really want to have tenants again? So he said, do you think you could do this on my house? Would it work? So I said, yeah, absolutely. And so he says, well, you take it over because he's a, he's a doctor. He doesn't have time to manage the listing, you know, and the, doing all that communicating and stuff. So that's how it started out. And then we tripled his rental income right off the bat. And then he just said, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And here's <laughs> all of my properties. So oh, as they've awesome. become vacant, he's just been throwing them all to me. And we're just cranking them all on Airbnb now. And then he started telling people. And then they would come to me, and then it was just pure word of mouth. So that's how I wound up with um, other professionals like doctors or um, sheriffs or people who work in the jails and can't text while they're at work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, They're like, can you manage my house too? So I wound up with properties out in Coachella, you know, right next to the music festival. Oh, nice. Those are amazing. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, and so it was just purely word of mouth. People just started saying, hey, you got empty space in your house? Call this girl, you know, she'll make you some money. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, passive income. They don't have to do anything because they handle everything, and then they get a check, and they're like, oh. I mean, they just get the direct deposit, you know? So they're just, Sweet. Yeah, and you know what? I'm, I'm glad you do that because I, I'm in the situation where I was going to do that, and I'm, I'm going to do it again in the future because a lot of people, like a lot of people I hear them on forums, they're like, no one's gonna let you do that. They, they, you could just, they'll just Airbnb it themselves. And I, I try to tell them like, there's plenty of people out there with properties that don't want to have to do the Airbnb, all the work, the hassle. I'm like, you can easily go find these people. And I'm glad that you're doing that. And I'm, I'm looking to get further into it in the future because a lot of people doubt that strategy, and I love that strategy. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm getting new clients every day. It's amazing how many people are out there that. Yeah, they they either don't have the time to manage it mm -hmm. or they don't want to have to learn all the technology, you know. And if you can help them out and they've got a, extra space, empty space, you know, it's a win-win. So, yeah. Exactly. And people, how, plenty of people out there. How much do you charge to, to run their Airbnbs? Uh, I keep 20% of the revenue that I bring in for them. And I like doing that um, percent split because it kind of incentivizes me so that the more money I make for them, then the more money I'll make. So, you know, that way we're using all the tools and, and bells and whistles and tricks up our sleeve to, to get them the most bookings possible. Right, right. And do you use Instant Book? I do not. Do you? Oh, I, I do. I do, actually. I, you know, when, when, I, when I signed up, um, in, like I said, in October, like, I'm an I'm a Airbnb baby. Um, <laughs> it's funny 
because when you when you sign up now nowadays you um they i mean it's like every other question was like you want to do instabook you want to do instabook you want to you know it's like no at first i was like no no i don't want to do instabook are you sure are you sure i, I mean it kept pressing you know inst- and it, it just i guess they with all those questions they convinced me because they said you know um instant book uh if you use instant book you get 80 percent more listings or, or more bookings or it was just it's like all right damn it i'll do instant book <laughs> and so <laughs> So they wore been, you down. <laughs> so yeah, they wore me down, and I've been doing instant book, and it's it's been working out good. I'm um, no one's um, you know, you can put your, you can set your standards, and they all they have to at least have four stars or whatever, and verified and all that stuff. And so, and and even still, people will ask me, you know, are people some people can instant book because they don't have any reviews yet, and so I'll and I'll just accept. It. I've been accepting everybody, and I I've having <laughs> knock on wood, good luck so far. <laughs> I was wondering, have either you two noticed the new instant book thing that they're convincing people to do with the, um, okay, they're blocking their ratings, so you can't see their ratings if you don't have on instant book? Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, they just started doing it, like, today. I think the update was today, and people were complaining about it. I was like, yeah, that, that's kind of, that's ridiculous. So Sue doesn't have instant book. So she can't see people's ratings. The, she can't see the star rating. With but if you turn on Instant Book, you can see the stars that they get. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, are you serious?" So they're really incentivizing you to use Instant Book, aren't they? <laughs> oh yeah, big time. Yeah, so I'm like, eh, it's, I mean, guess you're gonna have to start vetting the guests by yourself then. But Steve doesn't vet them anyways. <laughs> I don't vet. Come one, come all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> it's a free for all. Well, in LA, I guess we run into some problems where people want to use your house for a party and kind of trash it. So, oh, yeah. I, I'd rather be proactive about screening that out than reactive and having to go and tell Airbnb, "Hey, they broke my rules," and try and get that reversed. You know. I bet you're very, very clear about saying, "Oh, by the way, this is a sheriff's house, so um, enjoy yourselves." <laughs> right. Who <laughs> <laughs> <It> lives on site? <laughs> We have our blue nose pit bull here to greet you. And uh... <laughs> now, um, I—I I mean, I heard I've heard that um, they're getting real strict. The Airbnb laws over there in California—is that true? Oh, it varies. It's kind of fun. Everybody's trying to make rules for it, and everything from like a gated community to a municipality to a tiny city. They're all coming up with different ways to manage it, so it's kind of hard to keep up with, though. I mean, if you're looking at buying a property in a particular area, you just have to do your due diligence and see what they've decided to do with Airbnb in that particular area. So Airbnb doesn't just, um, let's just say if they put a max of, you can only rent out 90 days a year, Airbnb wouldn't keep track of that? It's up to you to keep track of that? Correct. Yeah, Airbnb ain't about to limit itself. <laughs> well, see, they, they did that in, in like Paris and, and Amsterdam. They've they actually went along with the local authorities, and they don't let you book it out more than that sixty day or ninety day allowance per year. They'll just block off the rest of your day as soon as you hit that point. Oh, wonder what? That's probably why they created the duplicate listing feature. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't even. That makes sense. Dang, I didn't see. It asked me about duplicate. I was, yeah. I was wondering what the heck that was. Yeah, so you can rent. You can put the same house as a duplicate. Yeah, <laughs> and you know what's funny though? Because I was listening to uh, I was listening to people today because they were, they were everyone's you know everyone's mad about the new rule that 
the awaiting payment thing, the group payment thing. So pretty okay. much they block your days for 72 hours, right? Right. If, and wait for this whole group to pay. So one guy, he got mad about it. And a bunch of people are mad because I'm pretty mad about it too because I don't like that. So what are, people are doing is they're like, well, during that 72-hour period, I'm just going to duplicate my list. And if somebody books it, I'll just give it to them and cancel out the other list. <laughs> Damn. People are getting – I mean – Airbnbs are getting a little too host friendly to me. To me, I mean, you're wrong. How about you, Sue? Is Airbnb a little too host friendly at times? Host friendly or guest friendly? Yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> guest friendly. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed uh, they're definitely leaning in their direction in a lot of ways. So, but you know, the people are willing, you know, to figure it out and kind of learn how to navigate that. You know, I like the creative solutions. <laughs> Yeah, I was. Yeah, that that was a creative solution by that guy. I was like, oh, he's like, yeah, just duplicate your listing. <laughs> like, wow, that's great. Do you charge deposits, Sue? Deposits? Yeah. Uh, yeah. For the most part, I do. Anywhere from a hundred to fifty to five hundred. How about you? I don't. Like I said, my my house is just a free for all. Right now, anything <laughs> goes. <laughs> That's really good in the beginning, too, because, you know, those can be kind of barriers to entry. So you're just, like, going to get more bookings and build your <laughs> reputation and get that fast start. And then you can raise your prices, you know. So that's he really doesn't good like to discriminate. I don't discriminate. No. Well, see, um, yeah, I wanted every – and I got it on um, – what's it called? Flexible. I got it, like – I got oh. a flexible, no deposit, anybody can rent it kind of thing, quick, uh, instant book. And so, um, yeah, I'm just letting anybody in the door. But but it's been working out. It's, it's been working out all right so far. And um, oh, what was I going to ask you? Uh, you got a question, Micah? Well, uh, let me refresh my brain real quick. Go ahead, Micah. Say something. Oh, what did I have? <laughs> oh, because oh, hold on. I was because I was going through some stuff. I was actually oh writing oh some back stuff to the down. deposit yeah, real quick. That's what I was trying to get at. Because um, I've heard on other podcasts that the deposit. The deposit is not really a deposit. It's just they mm-hmm. check the people's, um, the, the guest's um, credit card to make sure, let's say they have at least 250 on it, right? But they can book, and after you accept it and they book and everything, they could totally, like, um, switch to another card. Or they could just, or if they had that mm-hmm. other debit card, they can totally clean out that account and, like, literally have zero and still book yeah. with you. And then um, it's really and and even if they did if they if you, they did break something like a TV or something, you you don't really have that money. You can't grab that money. You still have to go through the whole dispute process with Airbnb. Exactly. Yeah. And knowing that, I I still put it there just as a psychological thing to say. You know, I'd really like you to respect my stuff. Is really uh, why that it's makes there. sense. That makes sense. But yeah, because on the back end, we they don't even do that security deposit thing anymore they just send you straight to the resolutions tool and you know you start by working it out directly with the guest and then if after a period of time they don't respond or you can you can ask airbnb to get involved and at that point they can you know make it right so yeah you really don't ever go after the security deposit really it's just kind of um i don't know a psychological placeholder kind of thing that (laughs) makes sense yeah yeah just like putting cameras something like that Oh, yeah. One question I did have uh, have for you because you said you uh, have other people's places and you control it. So, do you furnish their places or do you have the them furnish it? I have them furnish it. Okay, that's what I was thinking too. Good question. 
Yeah, I was, yeah, I, I, that was I thought you were going to have a follow-up or something. You're like, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, no. Because if I was going to say, if you furnish all these places, like, what's the expense to that? You know what I mean? Like, how are you? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, one owner, he says, yeah, I want you to manage it for me. It was an empty house. And he says, do you provide furnishing services? And I said, well, sure. So... He said, what do you charge? And so this was separate. It was a service, you know. So I charged a separate service fee to furnish the house. And then he uh, gave me a lot of cash to go buy furniture. Nice. And, uh, yeah, that was fun to get to spend his money and furnish a house and use the creativity to, you know, do the interior decorating and all that stuff. So that can be an additional service that you provide to the owners, but it's on them to provide the, the money and furnish the place. However, they want to have get that to get that done. So, how much would you charge to to do that for them? Um, yeah, it depends on how big the house is and what type of uh, high end or low end you're you're working with. So, I I charged a thousand dollars, and that was too low <laughs> for oh, my really? services. Really, it was a a month's worth of hard labor. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I was like, oof, I undersold that. But it was fun. So <laughs> I don't know that I would do it again. <laughs> you know, so I guess somebody who wants to do that type of thing can charge accordingly because it's a lot of work. Got to have a truck, you know, and we were using OfferUp and Craigslist driving all over L.A. and picking up really cool pieces, and then they're heavy, and <laughs> you're moving them all around, you know, so you need kind of a, a crew or a strong yeah. helper. So, That's yeah, why it was... I'm sorry? Oh, I guess the other way out to go, though, a friend of mine does it, and he just orders everything on Amazon Prime, and it's delivered straight to the door. So that, that would be another route to go. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> like you. I do the offer up in the Facebook marketplace. Cheap stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what? you get some great pieces, too. Oh, nice. Oh, on offer up? Oh, yeah. See, see I've been yeah. using Facebook marketplace. Uh, Michael yeah. turned me on to that. It's, it's been working out pretty good so far. The... um. Oh. So what about, okay, we hear about these, like, one of the crazy stories. It actually happened, uh, Palm Springs, where these guys rented out a spot in Airbnb. They, they rented it out. This is, a, this is a few years back. They rented it out for a few months and ended up squatting there for, like, a year, right? You heard uh-huh. about that story, right? Right. And, mm-hmm. and so is, is, do they, are, I hear L.A. or, or California is really um, renter-friendly, where, they, where it's yeah. hard to kick them out. Do you... I, I, you probably not come across that problem, but um, what do you do to safeguard against that? Oh, yeah, that was the, the number one reason I limited stays to under 30 days, because if you go over, you wind up crossing into tenant law, and they can become squatters, and you have to go through the eviction process. So if you keep it under 30 days, then it's just a matter of trespassing. So we've really? never actually had to kick anybody out, though, because we screen really good and make sure that they have somewhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to be hanging about. So, you know, they usually, there's no reason for them to, to try and stay, overstay their welcome in that sense. So screening helps. But, yeah, we're, we're very aware of tenant law in um, in L.A. So that's one of the number one reasons we keep it under 30 days. Cool, cool. The funny story, I, um, with my house, it was a couple of days ago, and um, this person wanted to book it for four months in a row. And so... <laughs> I called Micah because like, what the hell? What do I do now? I mean, I don't know. This is, I thought this was short-term stuff going on, but they sent an inquiry. They have no reviews, so that's already a red flag. 
They sent an inquiry to rent it for four months. It was going to be like like $9,000, you know? It was going to be, I was like, or it was three months. I don't know. Anyway, something like that. And But they were asking me in the in the message, like, um, you know, so what, what rates do you charge or this and that? And I'm like, well, you just booked it. You know, you tried to book it. Mm-hmm. And so I, and Micah said, well, send the address to him and I could and I could meet up with them at the house, you know, because you can't send phone numbers, emails. But for some reason, the address goes through. Mm-hmm. And I told them that and they lived in the area. And so they never responded to me after I sent that, which is weird. Anyways, actually, I called Airbnb after that. And I, I got this young girl, this young lady answered and I was asking her some questions. I said, well, they want a book for this mo- amount of time. Um, what, okay, how do you, what happens, what, you know, what happens if, um, what do y'all do to prevent squatters? And she's like, squatters? Like, like they're going to squat in your house or squatting? <laughs> what is that? You mean, like do squats? And I was like, no, like squatters, like squat, you know, squatting in the house. And she, I was like, do you know what that means? And she's like, uh, no, I'm sorry. I've never heard of that. I'm like, <laughs> it's when you can't kick the people out of your house. It's called squatting. And, and it just to me, it, to me, I was like, man, this is like, that's like the number one fear, or for me anyways, for most Airbnbers, is someone's going to stay in your house and never leave. And, you know, they're going to squat. And they're going to take over your house or something like that. And and she didn't even know what the term meant. This is Airbnb I'm calling. That's kind of scary. Airbnb VAs. <laughs> Virtual assistants. Uh, no, also, though, I forgot to tell you, um, sometimes when you get people trying to request for a long time, um, a lot of people, like, they have these little small companies in India, and they'll, like, book your place for somebody to come over here and stay there for those three to four months. I had a guy try to do it from Costa Rica, so probably when you sent the address and told them to meet me here, I'm not saying this happened, but they'll probably, some of them don't respond. Oh, wow. I had a guy from Costa Rica tell me that's what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh. I'm like, no, man, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm just gonna send somebody over there for three to four months, and they're gonna pay me. And I'm, gonna, I'm like, oh no, man, get out of here. It was on Airbnb. Well, well, that same person that tried to rent long term, uh, they they messaged me like the next night. They said, oh, just got your message or whatever, blah blah blah. Uh, which, what are you gonna charge a month? And then I, I just threw a number at them. They said, oh, that's a little out of our budget. And I didn't, and I heard from, I didn't hear from him again till like eleven o'clock at night, eleven thirty at night. You know. And um, they're saying, hey, um, is it cool if we rent it out today, tonight? Because our house is flooded. <laughs> and I already had a renter in there. I'm like, well, someone's already in there. Oh, okay. Shucks. Thanks. And I was like, this just this just sounds weird, man. I don't know who this is. Mm-hmm. What? I call that using your spidey sense. Because, you know, <laughs> it's just not, just doesn't sound right, you know? So right. go with that. Just go with your gut and say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So any um any uh horror stories or any crazy guests in your own house or any of your um the ones you manage? Um well way back in the beginning, see I created uh screening rules over the years from a lot of interesting experiences. Yeah. Um and one girl we had I call her my glitter bomb girl. <laughs> she she was an artist, and she was coming out from New York, and she was going to go to L.A. for about a month, well, three weeks, and do an internship. And so that sounded good, you know, internship, short term, you're going to come, you're going to leave. Great. That fits my parameters. Uh, so it come to find out that she actually took a bus across the country. Her mom had paid for the Airbnb 
And one thing we learned quickly was that if people don't pay for something themselves, they tend to not appreciate it as much. Oh, wow. So, and in her profile picture, she looked a lot older than she she actually was. So (laughs) when she showed up, I was... I was hoping she was 18, you know, because you got to be 18 to have a an account on Airbnb. Yeah. But I wasn't quite sure. I was like, uh-oh, we might be hosting a minor. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, she was basically running away from home, it turns out. And when she got to L.A., she had no intentions of going to the internship. So she stayed at the house all day long for three weeks. Oh, my gosh. And... She, well, at that time, we also offered um, a continental breakfast, and we, we thought we were being cute. We had this little, if there's no name, then it's fair game. So if, oh, no. you know, people didn't put their name <laughs> on their food, then anyone could eat it. Well, she took that to the extreme, and she started going through our freezer, our pantry, our, I mean, eating everything she could because she had no money, so she couldn't go out and eat for three weeks. <laughs> and we're like, okay. Um so she was an artist, and she liked to make uh, bracelets, and she had this box with the tiniest beads you've ever seen. And she was beading and making bracelets and necklaces and things. But then one day, you know, she just, like, turned the whole box over, and it spilled all over the floor <laughs> and the carpet. And it's still in my floorboards today, because some of those things you just can't get out, Jeez. you know. And, oh, that was just. I don't know, there was like 10 more things that happened while she stayed with us, and it just was incredible. So we were like, I think we need to limit our stays a little bit more, maybe shorten the stay after that. Yeah, that's funny. I had that guess before, too. The one to uh-huh. stay a little too long and start thinking the refrigerator's theirs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I have a question about that, because you said she sent someone else, and I, and I get that a lot, and sometimes it kind of it kind of annoys me. Um, so when people tell you, Hey, I'm sending someone else and they would try to reserve your room. Do you, do you usually decline it, accept it, or talk to them to see what's going on? What do you usually do? Um, I have a standardized template. I do not allow third party bookings. I call them. Mm-hmm. And I, the reason I give is, um, in order to maintain the integrity of Airbnb's review system, we require that the person who books be the person who stays. So at that point, I have to decline them, and then I tell them, but if that person you're booking for would like to create an account and book directly with me, I'd be happy to accept their reservation. Hmm. So I've that's another hard-earned lesson I've learned. That was the first girl that had somebody else book for her. Another one, a woman said, you know, my son's coming out there, and he doesn't know how to use the Internet, so I'm booking for him. And... Again, the attitude was just not where you'd want it to be, you know, with the respect and, you know, and so that was an uncomfortable situation. And we started to see a common thread. Um, every time somebody else booked for the guest and they hadn't chosen it themselves, they were usually not happy. The guest wasn't, you know, they were disappointed in one way or another. Oh, wow. Um, oh, I could tell you another story. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, so we have um, a shed in the backyard. This was our very first Airbnb. We turned it into the cozy cabin. So it's got a couple of beds up in the loft and a, a full bed downstairs. And then that's it. They have to come into the house to use the restroom and the kitchen. So it's kind of a rustic experience. So we had a lady book the cabin for her um, 
for her husband and son-in-law who were coming out from Texas. And she didn't tell them that she had booked an Airbnb. It was a surprise. (laughs) So here these two guys come, big burly dudes from Texas who have their own, you know, rifles and everything. And they come pulling up to a house and they're like, you know, we see them pull up and we're like wondering why they're not getting out of the car, you know, and they're on their phone and come to find out they're calling her like, where's the hotel? Oh, yo, you're there. Yay. It's an Airbnb. You're going to love it. (laughs) So they, They come to the front door and they knock. And then, you know, here's my husband looking at him. He's a joker. He loves to look at people with that funny look in his eyes, like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and then <laughs> they're like, Airbnb. And he looks at him back and he says, Airbnb what? <laughs> and he's, no, no, no. And I come running, no, you're in the right place. It's okay. You know, because, you know, the panic is setting in. They're like, oh, my God, I've just walked up to someone's house. And I'm so uncomfortable. And now I'm at the wrong place. And, oh, my God, if this isn't it, then where is it? I don't even. And you just see the motions and the thoughts going through there. Oh, and you just feel so bad. And I, I tell my husband, stop. No, they're in the right place. Okay, you're fine. Okay, calm down. So I show them and I take them to their room and they see the cozy cabin. And they're like, where's the restroom? And the minute I say, oh, well, it's inside the house. That's it. No. They turn around. They walk. They get back in the truck. They turn and they scream around the corner, never to be seen or heard from again. No. Well, the reason I asked you guys about the whole name change, like you're not sending someone else, I was wondering if this would be unethical. So, okay, when I run out my timeshares, I have people, sometimes they send other people or whatever, right? And sometimes it's a hassle because I have to call the timeshare, tell them, hey, change the name and whatever. So, mm-hmm. and I was kind of going off your rule. You say, hey, if it's not you, you can't book. So, like, mm-hmm. today, for example, I, I went ahead and changed the name. Like, today I had a guy, he booked the room, but he's told me afterwards, oh, by the way, my parents are going to be staying there instead of me. So, I was like, whatever, mm-hmm. okay. So, would it be, un- and I have a strict cancellation policy. Would it be unethical mm-hmm. of me if they start doing that and I fill out the reservation request and they're supposed to go and they tell me somebody else is going that I'm just like... Well, you're just too bad. You're going to have to go. <laughs> I mean, because I, I would end up so. keeping That's the money. That's part of you. you no, know, you can't send a, well, it's it's part of what your policy is, though, right? I mean, that's Airbnb's policy, it, I think, oh, right? No I, I'm not party. sure. I'm asking. I would actually put it up front in the listing under the um, house rules section uh-huh. so that the people could see it up front just to say, you know, we don't accept third-party bookings. If you're booking it, you need to be the one to stay or something like that. Okay. Especially because when they're checking into a timeshare, more than anything, they have to show their ID and it has to match the name on the booking. So exactly. if they don't, then they're in big trouble. And if they didn't tell you, you know, you're like, well, sorry, I'm using the name on your Airbnb account. That's the one that booked it. So that's the one I gave them. And, you know, at that point, it would be unfortunate if they were already, you know, they'd flown there and shown up at the timeshare yeah. and didn't have the right name. Because it's happened. I mean, well, the other thing is also, like, you said I put their name on it. They, well, yeah, I guess that, because I, I don't, even if I put it on the listing, I don't think they're going to read it. Yeah. Because most <laughs> people true. don't read the list. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, man, because I always try to help them, but then it's like, when I get like three or four of them in a row, I'm like, okay, man. I'm going to stop yeah. letting these people send other people. Cause I don't it's just... see it as unethical at all. I mean, what if it's like a, someone that got kicked off of Airbnb and they're using a friend to book somewhere? You know, that's that's messed up. 
Yeah, because the last one I, concerned me. Like the, the this one two weeks ago, this lady was going to Bear Lake, Big Bear, California, and she was like, "Hey, I'm gonna." Bo-. She booked the room, and then she's like, "Hey, it's my daughter's birthday, and I'm I actually booked it for her, and she's 17." And I'm like, "What? No." So I can't even <laughs> put her name. I wouldn't be able to put her name on there anyways because she's 17. You have to be 21 to check into a timeshare with a credit card. Right. Right. So. Right. I was like, I'm not. I can't put her name on there. So she ended up having to drive like an hour to the condo to check her in. You know, right. so I'm like, next time I'm not gonna do that because I don't know. I'm like, I think her mom was hosting an underage party. You know what I mean? Because she she told me, yeah, and she kind of was honest about it. She's like, yeah, it's my daughter and her friends. So I'm like, okay, whatever. That's messed up, man. Oh, some some parents are weird like that. Yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> you gonna host parties for your son when he's old enough? No. Oh, he's... <laughs> no. <laughs> Underage parties. You have uh, you have kids too? Yeah, I do, but they're grown. So. Okay. And yeah, my daughter's already hitting thirty, and my son's gonna be twenty-eight. Oh, oh wow! Kids are exactly my age. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um. So they weren't they weren't around the house whenever you started hosting people, or were they? Oh yeah, um, before we did Airbnb, we actually hosted international students. So oh, cool. we were a host with the local Whittier College, and so while they were growing up, they grew up with that influence in the house. We always had different languages and people from different countries, so we did that for like ten years. And then when Airbnb came along, it felt like, well, you know, it's kind of the same thing, you know, why not give it a try? Yeah. So, yeah, but they have definitely been exposed to that, um, which is kind of <laughs> nice, I think, because, I don't know, I grew up in Newport Beach, and it was not very diverse. <laughs> so, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> had a little different experience growing up with all the, the multiculturalness. <laughs> That's awesome. So, do you... Okay, oh yeah, here we have a bunch of Airbnb questions here. Okay, so do you allow pets? Um, in the house where I rent different rooms, I don't. Because, funny story, one time we did allow a lady to have her dog with her. She stayed out in the cabin. But mm-hmm. when there were guests in the house that booked a house that didn't have pets, they went outside and her dog was barking at them and attacking them and they didn't. You know, that wasn't something that they had bargained for with their Airbnb, oh, wow. so they weren't real happy. So I don't allow pets for the sake of the other guests. But if it's a whole house rental, then that's a different story, you know. Then we accommodate that. You do accommodate them? Yeah. Have you have you had any issues with, like, a guest? Like, let's say you've allowed pets, but, like, an issue with guests further on down the line having, like, allergies or anything? Yeah. One woman said that her son had severe allergies to dog dander mm-hmm. and um they were the ones that stayed right after the guests that had the dog so her son seemed to have a bit of a reaction he did it was yeah some oh, wow. people are very very sensitive and um yeah you have to be really careful and and just make sure that the guests honor your rules if you say please keep the dog in the kitchen that's area we can completely disinfect you know, or have a special area for the dog or cat or whatever it is. You know, that way you can still protect your future guests. Yeah, and that's what I was wondering about pets because I, I haven't, I, I don't allow pets at the moment, but I get a, I get those inquiries all the time. Hey, I have a pet, and I was wondering about that because a lady asked. One lady asked me. She goes, "Hey, have you ever allowed pets?" Because I 
she was allergic to the dander, and I was. That's what made me be like, uh, I guess I just won't allow them. But if you, since those sounds like you've had a, you have you have a strategy in place. So if you keep them in this area, and that seems to work for you. Yeah, and also because um, you're not allowed to discriminate. So if somebody has a a pet that's, um, what do you call that? A service like a, animal or a, a service com- animal. Or, um, see other right. Also, a my question. dog or something. You yeah, have yeah. to allow it. How does Airbnb gauge discrimination? So, okay, okay. for example, last night someone said they had a service dog. If it was at one of my personal, like in my condo, I'll let them bring it, you know? But I was like, because I don't make the rules at the timeshare, you know what I mean? So I was like, I don't know if the timeshare will allow you, which I I think they're supposed to allow them, but... I think they do. Yeah, let's say I I said no. How does Airbnb gauge, hey, this guy's being discriminatory? You know what I mean? Um, well, if you've written it in the message thread and the guest reports it to Airbnb, then they would look into it and they have a discrimination department oh, they that do? they would um, rule against you. If it, they had stated that it was a service dog and you declined it, then that would be considered discrimination. Yeah, they take a very, very hard line on that one. <laughs> Wow. wow, I didn't know that. Maybe my friend needs to call down there. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he could prove it, though. I don't know how he'd prove it. Because so, I know Airbnb now, if you guys have noticed, you can't see the guest's picture anymore until after you accept right. or decline it. Right. Yeah, they don't mm-hmm. let you see the guest's picture anymore. Oh, it's wow. It's funny. Yeah, I also was trying to make sure I wasn't going to get people that were local, like from L.A. Um, and so... You know, when I decline, they always say, well, why are you declining? And I would say, because one of my screening rules is I don't allow people within a 45-minute radius. Um, that's just for, you know, personal reasons that I've learned the hard way. So after that, every time a guest would ask to book, they were all from Kellyville, Oklahoma. Every single person. Oh. <laughs> I was like, hmm, <laughs> wow. what are the odds, you know? <laughs> They're lying to you. That's crazy. It's- some tampering going on behind the scenes you know it was interesting and you know what i I, i've heard that strategy a lot of people say that they like hey if they live in your hometown do not let them rent and the first problem guest i ever had at my house was someone who lived in grand prairie right next door (laughs) and yeah Uh i cigarette butts all over my yard and i'm like Mm. they had a party uh, yeah, so I, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm sticking to that one too. Also, you might want to look at that too, Steve, because you rent out a whole place. If they live very near the DFW area, yeah, yeah, you might want to be careful, especially if it's like for two days or a weekend. Yeah, they're, they're coming to have a little party, man. I don't care. Let them all mm-hmm. in. <laughs> <laughs> Invite me to the party, shoot. Um, come one, come all. <laughs> come one, come all. That's what I should put on my Airbnb listing. Come one, come all. <laughs> Yeah, don't misconstrue that. So, yeah. so Sue. <laughs> so, what have by what made you um, stop renting local or stop trying to rent local? Now you just take people from Oklahoma, I guess. Uh, I know I had to start discriminating against Kellyville, Oklahoma, after all that. No. Um, sorry, no. Um, it was uh, let's see, some people in Culver City. So that's a good hour drive and they just wanted to get away for the weekend and, and relax from the stress of Culver City mm-hmm. and it sounded okay and I said sure okay you guys can book our whole house rental and then you know they, add, they asked an interesting question you know it said two people on the listing and then they are on the booking and then they said um, how much 
parking is there around your house? Oh. And I was like, oh, plenty of free parking. Oh, my goodness. We've got parking in the driveway, parking on the property, parking down the street. We're in a secluded neighborhood where nobody will see what's going on. Here, come on over. So <laughs> this was like my first week of doing Airbnb. And then, you know, the neighbors started calling me at about midnight saying, uh, there's about a thousand cars parked on the street uh-huh. and they're having a huge party at your house. So I was like, oh, quiet, relaxing two days, you know, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> so they will lie <laughs> about why they're coming. Yeah. Um, and then um, it usually was, I, I started making it a game after that because I decided to know locals, but anytime somebody local would ask to stay, I would just ask them out of curiosity, if you already live in L.A., why do you need to stay at my house? And the answers were hilarious. Like, um, well, my wife and I had a fight, so I need to find somewhere else to stay tonight. <laughs> the dog house. <laughs> Poor guy. Poor guy. Yeah. And then another one, um, I just got evicted from my apartment. I'm on a bus uh, with my daughter and my dog. How far is it oh, to your house from Hollywood? I was like, uh, no. <laughs> you know, we're filming a, a low-budget movie. You were at your place by the hour. Well, well, no. So I started seeing a pattern, you know, with locals, and it was always like some sort of drama, you know? And I was like, I have a new drama-free policy. <laughs> nice. So. They filmed at my house before, too, just full disclosure. Thank you. I don't know what they what? filmed, but they, they, yeah, we just need it for one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I told them, I said, no porno, okay? And they, um, they said, no, 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 we're not doing a porno. So, so they told me no, so that they must not have. Mm-hmm. I trust everybody. That's so, cool. <laughs> we had one group of people, they were also from Culver City, and they said they were just staying home for the weekend, just relaxing, you know, and they booked the house. And when I came, you know, after they checked out, I, I went to check the property and there were footprints on the ceiling <laughs> and the, every single piece of furniture in the house had been moved and tried to be put back, but you could tell it wasn't in the right spot. And uh, then they, we had these baskets of plants outside along the, the covered porch and they had been spilled out and put back in their baskets upside down. <laughs> and we, to this day, do not know what they were doing, <laughs> but it's <laughs> haunted me you know <laughs> <laughs> Some upside down plants oh, do, do, wow do people make airbnbs and advertise them as party houses hey you can party here all you want yeah they do. <laughs> really oh yeah you, you actually when you do that you can oh you can charge a boatload if you do it yeah people really? people will pay more if they know hey we, we get to party here like you i've seen people advertise party houses uh, two hundred dollar cleaning fee, five hundred dollar security deposit, and then they'll be having like four five hundred dollars a night. Like if you did that during Super Bowl, oh my, you could have made you could have at least made five six grand doing that. Jeez, yeah. But will that fix everything? Depends on what you put in there. Because I remember I was I, I went to Houston. I passed through Houston during Super Bowl. And my cousin told me he goes, "Oh yeah, they're my whole neighborhood." He goes, "Yeah, they're renting out their houses." I'm like. Yeah, they, a couple people made four grand in two nights, man. Wow. Sue, do you provide like a bottle of wine or some kind of, you know, something to a welcome package? 
Um, when I do the properties and I manage them for the owners, I leave it up to them to decide. So, um, like one of them, yeah, we put out a bottle of wine and two glasses and a little welcome booklet and ask them to, you know, please share about themselves. And we put postcards and all kinds of cute little things to make them feel warm and fuzzy. Um, in my house, uh, in my individual rooms, I have a welcome basket in each room that's got bottles of water towels, a welcome booklet, um, earplugs, and eye masks. So I try to make it, you know, something that'll make them comfortable. And in a couple of my rooms, I have um, secret drawers. And it's kind of cool because every now and then somebody will find the secret drawer. So I've hidden little prizes in there, like, congratulations, you've discovered the secret drawer. Pick a prize, you know? So little things like that, you know. I have secret drawers too, but it's not like that at all. (laughs) (laughs) But then it kind of backfired on us one time because this one group of people, they were trying to leave and they were like, we can't find our keys. Where are the keys? And we turned everything upside down. It comes to find out somehow they'd fallen into the secret drawer. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody knew the drawer was there. They forgot about it. Like, oh, man. (laughs) So, Sue, since you've been doing Airbnb for about seven years now, what are your personal pros and cons of Airbnb? Pros and cons. Uh, well, I mean, it's been amazing. It's been life-changing. Um, it's, I love Airbnb to death. It gives me this amazing lifestyle now where I, I, I used to work 10 hours a month. Now I've got it down to less than an hour. And Sweet. it's just, let's, Let's go. Let's travel. Let's go play. Let's whatever you want to do. Basically, my husband and I are like, "What do you want to do today?" You know, whatever we want. You know. Nice. So um, the pros, I mean, are just outstanding, and the cons are basically, you know, everything we've been talking about, all these wonderful experiences we've learned from, and every time we have an interesting experience, we create a solution so that we don't have to repeat that. So after seven years, we've pretty much got the bugs worked out of it. So if we follow our formula, we follow our systems, we haven't got any uh, cons, pretty much. It's just come down to being a joy in every way. It's amazing. I like that way you did that. Yeah, learn from every experience so you don't have any cons. I've I've probably hosted cons before. <laughs> See, I, I don't meet I don't meet mine at all. They just leave them the code and they and they check themselves in, check themselves out. So I've I have not yet met a guest. So. I can't wait till you put a camera by your front door. <laughs> They've probably been throwing all types of raging parties. <laughs> <laughs> okay, real quick, what, um, tell us about the Harry Potter room. That sounds interesting. Can you please describe it for us too? Well, well, it actually had two iterations. So the first one was in the beginning when I was trying to, um, like, I just learned about Airbnb and I was amazed that, you know, you couldn't, you could rent out a whole house, individual rooms and spaces. And so I started getting really creative with space and I rented out my couch and people paid me $29 a night for that. And then I rented a tent in my backyard and people would pay me $700 a month, you know, to sleep in the tent. Oh my gosh. And then... And I started getting crazy, and I looked around, and I said, why isn't that cupboard making me money? And we have this cupboard under the stairs. Yeah. You know? A closet. 
And then, you know, my kids and I had read the Harry Potter series when they were little. And so I was like, hmm, the Harry Potter cupboard under the stairs room. Wow. I wonder if anybody would want to live like Harry Potter. So we put a twin bed in there and um, I put all this paraphernalia, you know, um, Harry's glasses and a wand and an owl. And then where the stairs get really low, it's kind of dark and unusable space. And so I put a giant fuzzy spider in there called Aragog. And that didn't go over real well with the guests, <laughs> but <laughs> I had to dial it back. But yeah. anyways, um, it was pretty popular. So uh, later on, um, when they opened up the Wizarding World of Harry Potter over here at Universal Studios, and I put two and two together, and I said, well, if Universal Studios is the number one reason people come to L.A., and they think it's worth investing in a Wizarding World of Harry Potter, then they must know that there's a market for that. And I wonder how many people would want to live like Harry Potter, immerse themselves, stay at an Airbnb in a Harry Potter, um, we called it the, the Chamber of Secrets, and then, you know, go to Universal Studios and the whole experience, you know, create that complete experience for the guests. So, um, you know, I asked my husband, can I have a little decorating budget? And he said, sure, go wild. So we went into, you know, Harry Potter mode and... We put like the Marauders map, a big tapestry hanging on the wall, and wow. the curtains hanging down, and, and Harry's uh, Thunderbolt um, broom. Uh, we had Hedwig in there, and um, oh, and then the 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 fun part was we put the magic into the room. So I found this um, voice-activated light bulb on Amazon, kind of like the old clapper where you could turn the light on and off by clapping. Yeah. But but this was voice activated and you could program it to be turned on with a particular word. So I was like, oh, how perfect is that? <laughs> so, you know, in Harry Potter, the, the words for turning a light on are, are Lumos Maxima. So we I programmed the lamp and then in the secret drawer, I hid a wand and I even got a little music box, and I put the Harry Potter theme song on it. So when the wow. guests would check in, some of them actually wore their Harry Potter robes and stuff when they came. <laughs> it was so awesome. So they would check in, and I would show them the magic in the, the Chamber of Secrets. There were three secrets that they had to discover. So the one was the drawer to find the wand. I would turn the music on. It would set the tone. Everybody, you know, a hush would fall over the room. And then I would show them how to turn on the light with the Lumos Maxima. And then it would be a game. Everybody would try to do it, you know, and wave their the wand with like a flourish of the wrist and in a commanding voice say, Lumos Maxima, and turn the light on and off. <laughs> so we had a lot of fun. <laughs> that was cool. So that room did real well, I, I expect. Yeah. So, yeah, our guests just got a really big kick out of it, and it was a blast. So you got to use so, your creativity. But- yeah, that's what I love about Airbnb is that it's such a creative outlet. You can do so many things because it's all about creating an experience for the guests. So if you embrace that, you know, you can do a lot of cool stuff. And then, you know, it kind of becomes a novelty, too. So you kind of get more traffic and the guests are kind of like, hey, you know, look at this one. We got to try that, you know. That's what I love about it the most because, well, uh, you know, see, Michael was telling me about it. He, he showed me some of his rooms and what he, they did. And I said, like, that's pretty cool put some tapestries up and cool stuff. And, I, you know, I'm an artist, musician, and so I just, like, first I was thinking, well, am I going to go high-end or am I going to try to set it up real, like, HGTV kind of thing? And I was like, well, I don't got the money for that, so <laughs> the next best thing, I'll keep it kind of, you know, you know, get decent furniture in there, but I'm going to call it 
art house Hearst, and I just because and I just put up paintings all over the walls. I had friends, you know, they wanted to put up paintings too. Yeah, yeah, the more the merrier. I put poster boards all around. People can go in there and create their own art and stuff like that. And I have some oh, musical cool. instruments, and it's just people. Ah, it's going over really well. And 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 I just like yeah, I get to use my creativity a part of it. I, I didn't turn it into a job. Well, I got to go get you know furniture yeah. and do the drapes and all. And I, I just you know I was creative with it, and that's kind of helped me help me help me um, cope with the um, I don't know. I, I've never done um, hospitality before, so I was like I was kind of dreading it. But going every time I go to the house, or you know, me and my wife will clean it or whatever, and just like, ah, oh, this is a, this is a cool house, you know. I, just, I get I get a good feeling about it. That's fantastic. So yeah. Wow. So yeah, I love that the guests get to create their own. You put up poster boards so they can like write a message or make a picture or something. Yeah, I've had one guest that's actually has a little bit of talent. The rest of them, I don't know what they're doing in there. <laughs> well, I guess uh, we, oh, I had an Oklahoma guest because we had a, a big football game, Oklahoma versus TCU, a big college mm-hmm. football game in at, over here at the Cowboy Stadium, and so um, they were a big Oklahoma Sooner fans. So they got they put all the poster boards. I put like the three of the poster boards they use in the Boomer Sooner and all these upside down mm-hmm. Longhorns and stuff like that. So yeah, they got a little a little artistic with it. <laughs> Fun! I love it. Oh my gosh. So, um, oh, cool. you want to dive into her business? Let's talk about your business and how you help people out, and how you can help our our guests out. Our guests are, you know, our listeners. Oh yeah. Um, well, if anybody's listening and they're like in, you know, that category we were talking about earlier, where they really love to make the extra money with Airbnb, but they just don't have the time or inclination to try and figure it all out. We can totally partner with them and provide those reservation management services for them. Okay. What's your company called? Sterling Vacation Rentals. Sterling Vacation Rentals. So you do you handle everything for them. So how would you like, you would even find them cleaners, like local cleaners and stuff like that? Right, yeah. Um, so in order to automate and outsource the whole thing to like make it streamlined for them, First thing we require is the keyless entry system, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you were talking about that. Yeah, that's like the key to the whole thing right there so that the guests don't have to worry about um, having somebody greet them or meet them um, or having to find the key. We just give them a code and boom, they're in. So having that system on the house is the number one thing we have to make sure they have in place. And we... we Uh, Real quick, what what kind of keyless lock do you suggest for them? Um, the system that I use, I love. It's I use the Slage Locks uh-huh. and uh, the Z-Wave Enabled, right? So if you go on Amazon, you find the regular locks that are like a keypad by Slage, and they're like $100. But if they're Z-Wave Enabled, they cost about $200, but it is the best investment. Oh, my gosh. But then you, um, you need another component. You need the Nexia Home bridge system and what that does is it allows you to download an app on your phone and then through the wi-fi you can connect through the bridge to not just the door locks but any other z-wave enabled devices in the home so you control the entire home remotely so you can turn the thermostat on and off you can change codes on the door locks you can turn lights on and off coffee makers you know, whatever you want, you can put up to 200 devices on this Nexia bridge wow. to control them remotely. 
So that's how we, we help manage the property for the owners and make sure it's secure. You can put cameras on that system too, if you like. Um, make sure the guests checked in securely. Save them money on electricity by turning things off when the guests aren't there. All sorts of stuff like that. My, Micah just laughed. What, what were you laughing at, man? Well, I was laughing at my wife. Oh, his wife. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, so you got the lock on. Okay, and what? And so you have to, I guess, contact local cleaners and stuff like that? Yeah, um, we'll source a, a local person. Um, we need, we generally need uh, cleaners and or a runner. Um, one of the cool things that works really well is a lot of times people will just have an extra room in their house or rooms that they could, you know, rent out and make a lot of extra money, but maybe they're at work all day. So if they live in the house, then the owner of the house can provide the cleaning services or, you know, anyone else that lives in the house too, you know, their grown kids or somebody. Um, and then what we do is we collect a separate cleaning fee from the guests with every booking. And then if the owner or somebody in their family decides to do the cleaning, we just pass that cleaning fee on to them. Oh, nice. And, yeah, that was one of the cool things that I loved about Airbnb in the beginning when I was renting rooms in my house. And I was like, what? You could charge a cleaning fee? You mean, like, I mean, I'd already clean it for free. I could get paid now to clean my house? That's <laughs> awesome. You know, I'll pay yeah. you, sure. Yeah. Why not? So that works really well. And then otherwise, um, we do source local cleaning services um to clean the whole houses or clean the rooms for them if they need to so that's cool on one of your larger properties what, what's a what cleaning fee do you charge uh we have a three thousand square foot mansion and the cleaning fee is 230 dollars and i would say that's kind of at the top end of the range because we have a really awesome cleaning crew <laughs> they go deep. They they own their job. They understand that they are a key piece of this business and creating that first impression for the guests. We help them understand that they're not just cleaning a house. There's a lot more to this, and these guys understand that they're you know part of a team. So um, to get that level of commitment, that level of service, that level of I need my my house cleaned right now because we have a new guest checking in. They will drop everything. And do ours first, so we do pay a little bit more for that. Sweet, that's awesome. Well, it's been a great show, Sue. We thank you so much for dropping in and and taking time to, to talk with us about Airbnb, the the love of your life, Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> and thank um, you. It's yeah. been great talking with you guys. My my people, people who actually do Airbnb and understand how awesome it is. This is it, great. I love it. Thank it's you. pretty awesome. It's a party every night. We love it. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, in my house, there's a party going on. Probably. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yeah. We're going to put your information on our um, website and uh, in the show notes. And so, yeah. Awesome. Call, hit her up. She'll, she'll hook you up. She'll start making you money, right? Like, right now, she'll make you money. You like money, right? Okay, cool. It's a done dizzle. It's a win-win. <laughs> yeah, hang on, hang on after the show. We have some questions for you, personal questions. And, um, yeah, just thank yeah. you for being here. Live thank Let Thrivers. Yes, Remember sir. to uh, hit us up on YouTube. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah, like us, rate us on iTunes, all that good stuff. And you can always hit us up, 469-300-9100. LiveLetThrive.com, LiveLetThrive at gmail.com. Yes, sir. All right. Well, we'll see y'all later. Peace. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Live, Let, Thrive. Be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of Airbnb and all that entails. Bye-bye.